0: You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network.
1: Crippled Content Creations and Podcast Jukebox present Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza.
2: Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability.
0: Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners. My name is August McLaughlin, and I'm the host and creator of Girl Boner and Girl Boner Radio. And I completely agree that disabled people are hot. My sexual empowerment journey started like many people's with a ton of shame. I remember sitting in an awkward sex ed class wondering when we would hear any good news. And the first time I heard and understood the word boner, I wondered, what about girl boners? I also wish we'd learned then that gender isn't based on genitalia. Some years later, finally embracing my sexuality helped save my life. I shared my story on my blog, in my books, and on my weekly podcast. Each week on Girl Boner Radio, I interview incredible experts, including those with lived experiences, on topics related to embracing our sexuality and capacity for pleasure, however we see fit. Some of my recent guests include Don Cummings, who wrote a compelling memoir about his struggle with Peyronie's disease, which causes bent and painful erections. Before that, I chatted with theologian Nadia Bowlesweber and actress Amy Brenneman on purity culture, answering the question, can you be Christian and sex positive at the same time? I also answer listener questions each week, often with sex therapist Dr. Megan Fleming, on topics ranging from libido differences and body image challenges to embarrassing things that happen between the sheets. I believe we are all worthy of pleasure, and I would love to have you join us. To start listening, search for Girl Boner Radio on your favorite podcast app, or head to girlboner.org to learn more.
1: This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. My name is Andrew Griza. I'm, of course, your disabled Dick Smith. And I'm here to. Shine a bright light on this topic with you. So let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled, and let's get started. Well, friends, we are already at episode 136 of this show. With some of the minisodes that I've done, we're pretty much close to 200 episodes, which is blowing my freaking mind. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this program. It means the world to me, and if you want to support the show, listen all the way to the end, and you can find out about the Patreon link. And at the end, you can also find out how to submit to a Minnesota, because I want to do more of those, and let us I want to hear your stories and all those things, so submit to those too, and you can hear the stuff at the end for that. But uh, this is a good episode, so let me tell you all about it. This episode came together in the height of the Disabled People Are Hot thing that I created, that I started a few months ago, and I do some monthly radio contributions as their sex educator for the Accessible Media Incorporated that goes all over Canada and a little bit of the U.S. too as their like monthly sex guy, and they emailed me one day and said, We have a guest from the UK who loves your hashtag and they want to talk about the importance of your hashtag in the UK and we're going to have them on the show by themselves just to chat about that. And I was like, that's cool. So I listened to their inter- interview with them and I was like, this person is really awesome and I want to have them on my show. Their name is Fern Lulam, and she is a motivational speaker out of the UK who is legally blind, registered blind. And we talk about blindness and sexuality in this episode, but a lot more than that, and and we talk about um, dating and blindness and disability. We talk about picking the right clothes for a date when you're blind and how you do that. We talk about her guide dog in dating and disability. Um, we talk about how sometimes on first dates, she feels like she has to say that she can see or pretend that she can see even when she can't and some of the hilarity and risky things that come as a result of that, Uh, we just had a really fun conversation and I really enjoyed chatting with her and I hope you do too. So here's my interview with Fern Lullum right now on Disability After Dark. Fern Lullum, hi! Hi Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for coming on Disability After Dark today. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm very excited. I am so happy to have you on because I didn't hear about you until you were on the, the radio show that I frequent as the sex educator and you were talking about me which I thought was so awesome. <laughs>
2: Yes, very much. Well, I love your hashtag, Disabled People Are Hot. I think that is a message that everyone needs to hear, and I'm totally behind that, so I wanted to talk about it more.
1: I thought that was so cool. I got the email from the producers, and they were like, just so you know, someone's going to be, one of our contributors is going to be talking about your 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 hashtag. And I was like, okay, awesome. Um, tell me more. And so they told me about who you were, and I was like, that's great. And then I, I researched you, and I was like, well, I have to have her on my show. Like, yeah, I, I
2: was so, so happy when you connected with me and, and you asked me because I was like, wow,
1: how exciting. We get to talk more about this stuff. I mean, it's, so, it's such an area that we don't really talk about enough. And I mean, the hashtag blew up and I love that it's blown up so much over there in the UK because I just I think it's awesome how, how quickly the UK people in the UK ran with it and like, wanted to have it on the news and wanted to have it on their show. It was just really awesome.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's really funny timing, actually, when it became really big over here, because I had just recently written a blog post about how a lot of my friends will often call me too innocent to know about, like, sexual things or, you know, that side of relationships wow. and how it was kind of annoyed me, and yeah. it was like, wow, we are, like, on the same wavelength.
1: <laughs> so, wait, your friends will, t- will ask you, will say to you, oh, Fern, you're too, like... You're so sweet. Like how what do you mean?
2: Yeah. Kind of um well I don't I, I guess part of it is sort of my personality and who I am. Um which is for people who don't know, I'm a like very upbeat girly girl, you know, very fun and lively and all of that sort of stuff. But I And I don't know if it's solely down to my disability, but I feel like that plays a part. So how I described it in the blog post is that second where somebody's talking about something and they're sort of giggling about it. And you're like, what, what's so funny? And they just look at you and they give you that look like, mm, and they're like, no you, you you know what you're you're too innocent we can't tell you and it's how i described it in the blog is like it's that moment in the school playground where two of your best friends are whispering and telling secrets and you're not in on the secret it's and the it just worst. makes you feel awful yeah. yeah
1: yeah as a disabled kid especially like that happened to me so many times when i was mm-hmm. coming up in grade school even high school even high school and college like when i was trying to be with the group and they were making jokes about sex or stuff and they would be like oh we can't share that with you cuz you're we're going to tarnish your like innocent cherubic mm. reputation as like a as like a sweet innocent disabled kid and it's like no i want to be let in so
2: yeah i, I mean th- it's to i think it's totally wrong right what you say about you know just because you have a disability it doesn't make you less of a red-blooded
1: male or female yeah. <laughs> who wants
2: the same things and has the same desires as everybody else
1: like i just think that i just think that the way I think this idea of innocence around disability and sexuality is really damaging and I wish that it was not that way.
2: Yeah I think it's I think what you're doing you know with the hashtag and just spreading more awareness of the fact that just because somebody has a disability it doesn't make them not want sex and it doesn't make them not even want a relationship because even recently I've I've, um, got into a relationship and when I was uh, told my colleagues at work a lot of them were like very surprised that I'd even got a boyfriend and it's kind of like well do you not you know like I don't understand why that's such an amazing thing to you because first and foremost I am a human being who has exactly the same need to connect with people the same need for affection the same sexual desires all that
1: stuff and like it can be probably especially in a workplace like you want to celebrate that in a workplace with your coworkers, like, "Hey, I'm seeing somebody. I can't do this work thing tonight. I got to go with my part my partner to this thing." And to have them be like, "Oh, you're seeing somebody? Wow! It's like, oh, did you expect that I was going to sit at home be alone?" Like, yeah.
2: Oh, how exciting for you! Oh, that's nice that somebody actually wanted you. <laughs> so
1: well. It's like, gee, thanks, thanks for being here I know. Blessed, thanks <laughs> so much.
2: I think I think they sort of framed it in a oh I just thought you were like an independent woman kind of way, but uh, uh, you know it just makes you feel kind of like well independent you know. doesn't
1: mean that I don't want to fuck though like independent no doesn't mean that I don't <laughs> absolutely want, like, not <laughs> being independent doesn't mean that I don't want to spend time with somebody like this idea that to and uh, that like that brings up another point to this idea that being independent means we have to be alone isn't mm-hmm. that being independent doesn't mean we have to be without people
2: no exactly and i guess that's the same disabled or not just depending on who you are like you're not always necessarily going to be in a relationship but then if you find somebody who you feel is the right person who you're attracted to and all of that then you might be but i think people are very quick to categorize people as you know a certain thing like this is a person who's independent they're never in a relationship and that's who they are and kind of put you in that box and then if that changes, it's like oh wow, like I wasn't expecting that. That's amazing. Yeah,
1: and it's like when it comes to disability, like especially disability, maybe it's like we've tried relationships, but every time we try, somebody Brussels up with their ableism against us, and we're like, well, fuck it, I guess I am gonna, mm. do it. I guess I'll be alone then for a period yeah. of time because I don't want to deal with that stuff. So it's not like when when we say we're independent, it's not like we haven't tried to be to be coupled, but oftentimes no. we're dealing with people's ableism and that just gets exhausting to a point of like i don't want to do this anymore i'll just be like i'll be single for a while
2: yeah sometimes you kind of feel like you have to take care of your own needs rather than worrying about oh am i good enough for this person and all of that you know that brings with it a whole a whole new level of mental torture Yeah, <laughs> in
1: some completely. so many um, like different moments of like discomfort that you just get tired of like making sure that their ableism is Okay, but no one's checking in on you, so sometimes being single can just be easier
2: yeah, definitely. I think for me, because i I have in the past and still do to some degree suffered with quite low self esteem and i you know i think I, I think probably my disability does sort of play into that because it is easy to feel less than other people or not as worthy or not as valuable when you have a disability and i think that has played a big part in my dating and relationship kind of ex- uh, uh, adventures and expeditions because um i you know it's it has made me more hesitant and it it does make me worry about Myself and and it makes me question myself and things like that and like like you say sometimes you just think I, you know what I can't I can't do that to myself at the moment yeah I'm not strong enough
1: like putting myself out there and I mean we've we've talked now for like ten minutes and we haven't even explained your disability so let's back up a little bit and if you wouldn't mind sharing how you identify as disabled.
2: Yes, so I am registered blind. I do have some useful vision still remaining. I was born partially sighted, uh, which was from a condition called aniridia, which aniridia is a condition which means I don't have any irises. So that's the coloured part of your eye, which allows light in and out. Um, And off the back of that condition, there are some associated things that come along with it. So there's um, glaucoma, there's cataracts, there's corneal problems that can come along with it. And some of those things have developed in my eyes. And I've had various eye surgeries that have made my vision deteriorate over time. So now I am registered blind. So I I can see a bit, but it has to be very, very close for me to be able to see.
1: Can you see? And it's just me asking can you see like colors and shapes and stuff or is that
2: yes I can yeah I can see I can see colors I can see shapes I can even see things um you know in quite a lot of detail but they have to be very close to me
1: okay I was just in my head I was like "Mm, I'm sure that makes like sexual contact super fun because everything has to be super close to you for you to to see things
2: Yeah, I mean, the way that I have, when I date, uh, one of the cheekier flirtatious things I tend to say to people is, um, you know, you want to date me because basically sometimes I have to use my hands as my eyes. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's always a fun, like, like sort of breaking it to them that I can't see, but at the same time making it, you know, more exciting and flirtatious.
1: <laughs> yeah, t- I, think, I think playing with disability and flirting like that with disability, I think that's something disabled people, when it comes to flirting and sexuality, we have the upper hand because we're allowed to make those jokes and if you laugh with me when I make those jokes, then it's then then I know you get it a little bit. We yeah, can, you're onto a winner. Break those. Yeah, we can break those barriers together. Do you like? Do you have any other like kind of flirtatious things? Like okay, before we get into other ways you flirt, what are some of the? I know that there's mythologies around disability and sexuality generally, but when it comes to blindness, what kind of things? What things do people assume about you and your? Dating life aren't true
2: I think the very biggest one the biggest misconception is if you can't see very well you're not superficial like it doesn't matter what people look like looks aren't important it doesn't necessarily matter what you look like like why would you care about getting dressed up and looking nice because you can't see it and you can't see what the other person looks like so hey like why should they make an effort because you're not gonna be able to appreciate it anyway and all of that is just not the case <laughs> at
1: all. Of course, like you want to look good, whether or not yeah. you can see it, or whether or not like, and you would expect, especially because in the work you do, you're a motivational speaker, so you want to make sure you look good. Like you want to make sure you, and I, I get that because I go up on stage and I do very similar things here. So mm-hmm. like, I know what it's like when you want when you want to look good and you don't want to, just because you can't see. And they know you can't see. It doesn't mean you can't, especially when it comes to, like dating. You want to feel confident and sexy, and so, like, that, yeah, of course, it's a really, it's a really crappy misconception that like, oh, you can't see, so it wouldn't matter how you look. Like, ew, why would somebody say that?
2: Yeah, I think the, my main response to that is well, when you get dressed up, uh, especially if you're going on a date. Most of the time that you do it, yes, it can be for confidence for yourself, but you're genuinely, generally doing it because you want to look nice for the other person, right? You want to impress somebody, you want to get dressed up so that they think, oh, this person's sexy and hot. You're not doing it so that you can look in the mirror and go, oh, wow, I look great. I mean, there is an element of that. But if you're trying to impress someone... And like you say, if you stand up and you're speaking in front of people, you're doing it because you want to look nice for them. You know, it's a nice thing to do for them. So even if you can't necessarily completely appreciate it, you know that other people will. And then also, it's like you say, even if you can't see it, it's sort of you can still feel, you know, how you always feel better if you're dressed up and you know that you look nice. It's an inner kind of confidence even if you can't physically see it. It's the way that it emotionally affects you and the way you feel about yourself.
1: Yeah, so like how does Okay, this is a superficial question, but how does you being being blind affect like your your clothing choices for like a date or for like a work thing? How like how does how would you like does it affect that at all or does it not?
2: I really like clothes. Uh, as anyone will tell you, I have so many outfits, so many clothes. I really like sparkly clothes, which I think has to do with my sight because sparkles are much easier to see. Um, so if you can't see, often your eyes will pick up on something that shines or glints in the light because it kind of lights up that that, that sort of um, cortex in your brain, your your optic cortex, you go, oh, I can see that. So it excites you. And that's why often people will call me a magpie because I'm just drawn to anything sparkly and glittery. So I'm often dressed in sparkly attire. Um, but I, I always, I mean, I know what feels good, and I know I kind of know what looks good, even if I can't necessarily see it. I think for me, I can't because I have sight such that I can get very, very close to see it. My main issue is seeing a, a whole outfit is kind of an issue. I kind of have to look at each bit individually, as it were. Yeah. Um, But so then it's just about, you know, matching things up and maybe looking at things before you put them on and making sure they match or asking somebody else's opinion. But I love getting dressed up and I, and I, like I say, I know what suits me and I know what looks good. So I don't feel that it affects me in a negative way. The fact that I can't necessarily see it all at the same time in a mirror.
1: No, totally. But so like in terms of accessibility for like, let's say you're going to a shop and you, and you like want to put on a, a, Sexy new thing. Does that. Is there accessibility issues if you were to go into, like, the changing room and not be able to see the whole outfit and you would need time or you would need somebody to, like, tell you what the whole thing looks like? How would that yeah. work? Yeah.
2: I think I usually go with friends when I go shopping. Um, it's just easier because then obviously I can find, you know, they can help me find the changing room and then I can always show them the outfit. And I think girls just in general and and guys, but um, like to go with, with other people so that they can get other people's opinion in general because sometimes the way you look at yourself, even if you can see, is not necessarily how other people see you. And sometimes people are quite, honest you know they can be more blunt than you can or sometimes people will see something that you don't and they'll say oh well you know you you look good in this way but maybe you shouldn't you know change those pants or change that top because it doesn't work with that Um, So it's good to get other people's opinions. And I I imagine that if I asked for assistance in a shop doing something like that, they would probably provide somebody to do that for me. But then I think the trouble with that would be they're trying to sell you stuff. (laughs) And so, you know, you're very conscious of the fact they're probably going to sort of skew their opinion to the positive because they at the end of the day, they kind of want you to buy it. (laughs) They want the
1: commission, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why when I go to the shops, I like to go with my other wheelchair using friends cuz they can tell me you know what it would look like sitting down if I wear this thing would it look okay does it sit right does you know my body look all right in it because they're also wheelchair users so like they can they understand so i i try mm-hmm. to go with my other disabled friends cuz we can have a mm-hmm. real conversation about what stuff looks like
2: yeah yeah that makes sense they they of get it in ways that other people might not
1: yeah and, and so I, and so like when i'm also curious when you talk about sexuality like do you Talk with like do you find when you talk with other disabled people it's it's easier to talk about this stuff or do you kind of talk to anybody about all these things?
2: yeah I think i I have so I have various friends obviously I have some that are disabled and some that aren't um I have like one of my very closest friends is also blind, and I do feel like I connect with her like you say on sort of a deeper level in some regards. Um, in these subjects, just bec- it's just purely that they understand, like you say, they, they understand what your specific situation is better than somebody who isn't in that situation through no fault th- of their own. But just because they've experienced that, and some of the things you might say, and you might talk about, or you might say, Oh, this, I had this issue, somebody with full sight would just be like, well, you know, I I don't know what that's like because I've never, you know, I've never been there sort of thing. So, yeah, I do think that can help talking to other people who who have had first-hand experience of that thing.
1: Yeah, my best friend and I, she's a wheelchair user too, and we will have conversations about sexuality and disability where I can let my guard down, whereas when I talk to a non-disabled friend, there's a guard that's up. There's like, oh, I can't share that entirely with you or I don't want to make it weird for you, so I won't tell you the whole story because you mm. won't get it. Whereas when I'm with my disabled friends, I can totally let my guard down.
2: Yeah. And and sometimes it's really great to say something that you think, Oh God, like I feel kind of awkward and embarrassing saying that. And then somebody to go, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> you know, it just makes you feel so much better. You're like, Oh, I'm not alone.
1: Yeah. God. It's so much more comfortable and so much more relaxed, which is just yeah. super important. I think one of the things you mentioned in your, in your questionnaire, that I want to get to because I really am am interested in this. Um, You talk about how, and I believe this is true too, how disability can bond and create a deeper intimacy with people. How Mm -hmm. has that manifested itself for you?
2: I think for me, not being able to see as well, Touch is often initiated quite early on in a relationship. So I might need, for example, to hold someone's arm if they're gonna guide me, or I might just you know, sometimes guys will just take my hand, um, because you know, it's a couple thing anyway, and it also, you know, it serves both purposes, then they can also guide me, but it also just looks romantic. So that's nice. Um and you know, and like I say, I, I even that's another sort of flirtatious thing that I'll say is oh, it's just an excuse to hold your hand more, you know, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. So I have that excuse or or to say oh well you know I might have to grab onto you if I if I nearly trip or you know like all of those kind of things touch is a big thing when you can't see obviously because you need to hold on to somebody otherwise you don't know what you're going to be you know you might walk into something yeah. and uh and you know you've got the whole thing of like oh I didn't see what I was grabbing onto there <laughs> you <laughs> <Yeah>. know um, <laughs> yeah. so it you know I just think that it it initially it just builds much quicker a bond between people where touch isn't awkward because i think sometimes that sort of like oh do i hold a hand do you know what it's because it's a necessity you know it's a necessity yeah um it takes that awkwardness out of the, you know, it's just like, well, I have to do this. So let's just do it. And it's not weird. And it just breaks down those barriers between people and allows for that connection a lot quicker and a lot more naturally. So I think that can really create not only physical bonds between people, but then also emotional bonds because they're helping you and you rely on them. And and that just builds up this really nice thing between the two of you.
1: Yeah, totally. And I, I just think like, I, I... Have never can I mean, of course, I now that you've said it, I'm like, oh, it totally makes sense, but it never really clicked in my head until you said it that way. it totally, mm-hmm. That totally makes sense. Um, and I used to do a thing where when I would be at a club or something and I would want to, like, touch somebody, I'd be like, oh, sorry, I had a spasm. Like, oops. Yeah. I'm gonna, I wouldn't <laughs> do that so much anymore. But when I was younger, like, definitely that's – I would use my disability to be like, oh, I'm going to touch you now. Oh, sorry, yeah. I had a spasm. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> that, that, I mean, that is a way that we flirt because – it's so hard for us to get into those spaces and feel confident and sexy enough to do that because we're also taught as disabled individuals that nobody's going to want to touch us.
2: Yes, yeah, definitely. I think I've had that sort of drilled into my head that uh, my disability makes me unattractive and not sexy and not just not desirable because... I feel like in some ways partners are seen more like carers than partners. Oh if you yeah. Know what I mean.
1: Yeah, that's such a common trope that we deal with constantly where somebody thinks you're my worker or somebody thinks that you're my caregiver or mm-hmm. somebody thinks that you're like sometimes my parent and it's like no yeah. like no, I sucked his dick 20 minutes ago. We're having <laughs> like, No, we're fra- like no, please don't think that. So like so Tell me more about how you how, what does this undesirability feel like for you? How does like cuz I think you're totally desirable, but I want to know for you how that feels to feel not desirable.
2: I have suffered for a long time and it's it has it's called, caused all kinds of mental problems for me um I've had depression over it I've had anxiety over it for years I would literally tell my parents nobody is ever going to want me I have gone to the point where I've tried to pretend that I could see I I was talking about this in a speech the other day and I've literally said I have gone out on dates with people first dates and I have acted as if I could see and it's such a stressful thing oh no
1: what's that like Um, like how do you how do you act (laughs)
2: so so it's the sort of thing where so let's say we we go to a coffee shop
1: yeah
2: and the first thing obviously is what do you want well I can't see the menu because it's like right up high (laughs) above the barista yeah and I I can't see that so I just have to guess and hope that they have what I want (laughs) um do you want a cake I really want a cake but I I, again I don't know what's on offer so you just have to guess and hope and you can't say oh what is there because it's probably right in front of you and you're gonna look like an idiot um then there is like steps and things like that you just kind of have to you know try not to fall up any steps or down any steps i say in my speech that i get good at like memorizing the amount of steps in any given location because you just go there so many times that you remember how many there are yeah um, and the other thing then is when you go to sit down at a table, you always want them to go first in case you end up seeing a table where there's already people <laughs> sitting at a table because that would be really awkward. So and you're that playing
1: this whole game with your, with your date and they don't, they don't know and you're trying so hard to like hide the fact that you're blind because of the stigma and because people are just so ridiculous yeah. about it that you're putting yourself at such risk of like, what if something happens?
2: Well, also, these are the lengths you go to and you just end up looking like you're crazy because, you know, like, because you're doing all these things and the the person's looking at you like, what? Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Like, you get yourself into more, you know, you dig dig bigger holes than you would if you just say, look, I can't see. Just tell me where to sit or whatever. Um, because you're trying to pretend that it's not there but in so doing you're getting yourself into increasingly more ridiculous and awkward circumstances like um, I can see so.
1: BBC like why isn't can that be a sitcom that you can be the, can you be like the main character where, like,
2: <laughs> I could quite easily be like... because I've had a lot of experience and then the other thing is if you go on an online date for example you have to find each other like how I'm not going to find you you're going to have to come and find me I I usually turn up like a good 20 minutes early so they have to walk in and come to me rather than be like i i don't know i'm just gonna walk up to some other random guy and give him a hug and he's gonna be like okay i don't know you but
1: (laughs) (laughs) so like so like going back to online dating what how is that different for you like i i've talked to some blind people who have told me like their experiences on the apps and things particularly like sex apps but what uh what is like the the experience of online dating for you is it drastically different or is it similar in some ways and...
2: um yeah i think for me i prefer online simply for the fact that in person i think a lot of people do the visual flirting testing the waters so people will very rarely just come up to you they will generally like look across the room try and catch your eye uh, you know, see if there's any, like, yeah, is it, am I am I in here or not? And when the person is doing that to you and you're just looking in the other direction because you haven't even noticed that they're looking at you, it's kind of a no. So you don't really get very far there. Um, so I kind of miss out on all of the, the visual flirting side. But then, as I've already demonstrated, I'm quite sassy when it comes to the you know saying saying cheeky things um, so so that kind of bypasses that problem with online obviously a lot of the apps are quite visual they're usually to do with you know looking at people's pictures and things like that um, but there are tricks to that. You know. You can zoom in or you can get somebody to, to tell you how the person looks if, they, you know, if they're kind of like your type or anything like that. Yeah. But I think when it comes to meeting the person, you just have to be really smart about it because obviously for anyone, disabled or not, it, that's dangerous. But then if you are in a situation where you can't necessarily see everything that's going on, you're putting yourself in, in an even more vulnerable situation. Totally.
1: Um, so if you were to build an app around around, say, blindness and dating and, dis- and, like, disability that way, what kind of things would you want the app to have that would make it easier for you? What what, what do you think of the, that's missing in the apps right now?
2: I've had a lot of experience where you can't modify the text in any way. So I have things on my phone that enlarge all of the text in a lot of the apps, so a lot of the social media apps, it'll make the font bigger. Great. Um, but in the in the dating apps... That I've been on I frequently find that it doesn't affect them and I'm not sure why um, but you not being able to modify the text makes it really hard to read messages it makes it you just don't want to read somebody's whole profile because it's just too tiring for you and of course that's that's difficult yeah. um, and I just think probably Maybe I don't know if they can use descriptions um, of people. I mean, obviously, people are going to want pictures because, let's face it, online, anyone can say anything about how they look. Yeah. And people are always going to want to sort of go off the picture. Um, so I, I guess just making it as easy to navigate as well as possible because I recently went on, to you know, and a lot of apps are based on swiping and stuff. And the amount of times that I've swiped the wrong way on somebody that I really wanted to talk to and it's too late because they've gone, um, that sucks. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, just making them um, as easy to see as possible, but then also as easy to navigate so that you know what you're doing and you're not going to send the wrong message to the wrong
1: person and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think also giving us, like, a time limit because people with disabilities, sometimes some of us have, like, Motor things where it takes an extra second or two for us to like Mm. do the swiping. So maybe if you give us like a thirty-second swipe clock, yeah, like give me the time to make sure that I'm swiping the right way, that would help Mm -hmm. a lot. Like so many of us. For me, that'd be great because I have the same experience with my spastic CP. Like if I swipe the wrong way, (laughs) oh, like oops, they're gone. I can't. (laughs) It's over. Like so, I totally get that. I I think I think I'm working with an app company right now it's all hutch hutch right now but stuff is coming down the pike where they want to learn about accessibility so I'm going to take some of what you said and just Mm -hmm. say like let's talk about that when we're building this so that it can be as accessible as possible
2: yeah definitely that would be brilliant Um,
1: one of the things I love about your work is you work with you just recently well from what I saw in your video maybe it wasn't so recent but you you have a guide dog now yes I do Um, yes Nancy Mm -hmm. she is Adorable. I watched the video. It was like brim to brim smiling with how awesome it was. Um, yeah. Uh, tell me about what what maybe dating with a guide dog is like. Have you has that been an experience you've had yet? So before
2: I got Nancy, I got her a year ago, and I went through a huge kind of emotional roller coaster of a time, thinking, do I want a guide dog? because how will people judge me for it because up till then as i've just told you i often pretended that i could see and from looking at me you wouldn't necessarily instantly know that i couldn't whereas of course if you have a guide dog the game's up you know <laughs> like yeah. that's you can't really pretend anymore um and also i think that there are a lot of misconceptions around guide dogs um in that if you say you have a guide dog people think oh my god well you know that must mean that she can't do anything like if she has to have a dog to look after her what you know her capabilities must be hugely compromised which um you know isn't true you know i still have like a lot of people also think that you have to be completely blind to have a guide dog which again is not true you can have useful remaining vision um when you have a guide dog so it's it is a scary thing because i think just so when you're grazing the surface with somebody and you're first starting to talk about those things i think that is daunting and it is something that i feel like oh my god that could be a huge turn off for somebody um but i i what i've done is i've just kind of eased them in again i've just been very like cute about it I, so i'll put some pictures of her out there on dating apps and things like that and um you know, not necessarily in a harness, but just the dog. and then people will say, "Oh, you've got a cute dog." And then I might eventually say, "Oh, well, actually, she's a guide dog she she helps me around. And it's just about explaining to them, you know, and communicating to them that it doesn't mean that I'm completely helpless, and actually, I'm usually the one in charge when I have Nancy because that's another misconception. People think that the dog does everything, and you just kind of, are dragged along behind it <laughs> as a helpless little blind person. But, you know, the the reality is that you're the one looking after the dog. You're the one in charge. You're the one telling it where to go and everything. And actually, it's it's about changing their perspective from saying, you know, you're the helpless one to actually you're the empowered one who can even take responsibility for a dog as well as yourself.
1: Yeah, so, and you're like, yeah. you're thankful for Nancy, obviously, but you're the boss.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, you have to be.
1: And it, it's just really... I didn't realize that people honestly believe that, like, the dog is the one taking care of you. No, the dog is, like, the dog is just, the dog is like any other disability aid, really, except this one is just breathing.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, it's amazing. When I first got Nancy, I remember somebody saying to me, well, I guess you help her sometimes as well. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm the one who picks up her poo. I'm the one who feeds her. I'm the one that gets up in the morning and takes her out. You know, like... I'm, I help her more than she helps me. <laughs> like,
0: what
1: did people assume happened there? Like, did they assume I that think, she, she took herself the I think they walks? just
2: assume, yeah, she, takes it, she looks after herself entirely and me. Like, I think they assume she goes and makes breakfast and brings it to me in bed, which would be amazing, but not the case. I mean, I mean which
1: would be great. Can we get guide dogs to learn that, please? Like, <laughs> that
2: would be amazing.
1: Because I've, I've been thinking about getting one myself, like, a, a service dog. And, like, I... Part of me is excited by the idea of like, can I if I'm walking out with her or them, would I meet a cute guy if I mm. was like, there's my puppy, and so part of me, part of me is excited by using a guide dog to definitely pick up men. Has mm-hmm. in the last year has that ever happened where like a guy, somebody will see the dog and be like, oh, we should hang out.
2: Yeah. Um. So I have a lot more people surrounding me. This uh, when I first said this to people, I realized how sad it sounded. I used to say now that I've got a dog, people talk to me. And it sounded like, no, before that, I had no friends. Like, that's not the case. But you do get a lot more people coming up to you, talking to you, stroking the puppy. You know, they're all endeared by it. So, yes, I think, Andrew, that would be a dude magnet. I mean, <laughs> so, yeah, do it.
1: I'm, de- I'm definitely thinking about it because it. it I, and I just think, because, you know, we also... in When it comes to disability, we talk about loneliness a lot. And I think... Having, you know, a pup there, whether they're your service dog or not, is really great for disabled people to feel not so alone because a lot of the times we spend so much time in our apartments, you know, because of accessibility mm-hmm. and things and ableism and all that stuff. We don't want to go out and do stuff. So having having a, a puppy there makes you have to go out to like walk them and play with them. You have to do that stuff. So it also allows you to have more socialization as a disabled person and it allows you to feel more confident because you have somebody there who will love you unconditionally.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's one of the things that I always say about Nancy is she helps me as much, if not more emotionally, than she as she does physically, you know. Like, it's great that she can guide me around things and make me not crush into things or people or anything like that and help me with steps and all of that. But she is, like, always there like you say you know if you're having a down day we all have them where you know half the time or even 90 percent of the time you can be like I don't you know like I'm cool with having a disability I'm fine and then there can just be that one day where you're like this sucks like this is so unfair and you know all, all that stuff that always catches up with you um and it's just so great to have like you say something there that just wants to take care of you. Like I know if I'm ever crying or if I'm ever upset, Nancy knows straight away and she's just all over me, you know, licking me, making me feel better or doing something stupid. And I, I even made a, a video with her talk, talking about how good dogs are just for your mental health in general. Just they say that stroking a dog for like 30 minutes a day can completely like help you overcome depression, all, all kinds of things. Oh, so it's yeah. really good.
1: I mean, um, therapy dogs are good. And that's why that's becoming so prevalent now is people are mm-hmm. like, bringing dogs to work day when they're when it's a tough work day they'll bring a pup around and walk around the office for a couple like an hour or so and it's because the animal senses stuff that we don't sense and i just think i just think it's a great tool and it's really awesome that you you use her that way and also people like stop assuming that nancy does everything fern Fern does stuff too like please don't think that anymore
2: (laughs) Um, everyone says that nancy's a therapy dog where i work as well (laughs)
1: i mean (laughs) that's awesome that's so cool um i want to talk about how you have tried to be overly provocative to combat like wanting to feel sexy and like or not combat it but to to combat kind of ableism around disability how how do you feel you've been like you've needed to be overly provocative to to overcome all that stuff
2: Uh, Yeah, I think I, I have learned to be more confident about my disability. So where I used to keep it a secret and pretend it wasn't a thing, I now, I just, I say it a lot quicker. Um, And I'm a lot more direct about it. And I have come to the realization that if somebody is going to reject me for that, that's not really my problem. It's, you know, it's it's something that is out of my control and maybe it's a lack of education or maybe they just don't feel like they can cope with that or you know whatever it is but it's it's not my problem it's it's somebody else's problem and so that's kind of helped me to feel more confident in myself and then that makes me realize that I have value and I am a a young sexy woman who can go out and and will have people who are attracted to me and like me and that my disability shouldn't be something that makes me feel desexualized or undesirable because I can't see, like, there are so many things I can do like, like we were talking about earlier, dressing up, um, saying flirtatious things, going out of my comfort zone and just... You know, and just being really confident and bubbly in who I am, and then it just makes everything else, like, so much of less of a big deal. I feel like the more you worry about it, and the more you try and hide it, and the more you're kind of ashamed of your disability, the more of a big deal it inevitably becomes to the other people, because they go, oh, well, she thinks it's a big deal, so maybe it is a big deal. Do you know what I mean? It's
1: Yeah, like, I, I'm just going back to the thing you said earlier about, like, how you were trying to how you were trying to pretend you could see, which... Every time I think about it, I start giggling because I'm like, "Oh, and <laughs> she was trying so hard, and I'm sure it was so hard." Like, how? Like, so, how, what? What happens when your dates realize, or the person you were out with, like, wh- is there a point during all that where you, where they were like, "Come on," or you had to be like, "Okay, look, I'm blind." I tried. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I think most of the time, I. I don't know if I, I may have come clean or I may have just said something like, you know, oh, I, uh, um, I have a sight condition or so, oh, something that just made it sound a lot less dramatic than it actually is. You know, like I would act like I was just somebody who maybe needed glasses or something like that, which obviously <laughs> is a lot worse than that. <laughs> um, but I what the results that I got from that was usually that those people didn't want to see me again. Um, oh and I, wow! Because in my future, like in sorry, my past dating, especially like with online dating, I would go out and I would do that, and I would do that whole thing, and I would never hear from that person again. Now, recently, when I've been putting myself out there more, and I usually tell them before we even meet, so it's just off the, you know, a. Then I'm not wasting my time on people that if that's going to be an issue for them, and b. If I know they already know, I don't have to feel so self-conscious and like, oh god, what are they going to think? I'm just going to tell them, and then they're going to know, and they going to come with that expectation and it'll be better and what I found is that since I've been doing that I kid you not I get people who are coming back you know that you know I don't get half so much dismissal so if that is you know that obviously that's just my personal experience but to me that proves more than anything to me that you know, you you just need to be the more confident and open you can be, the more people will take to you. Because I think the main reason was what I said earlier. People just thought there's something up with this girl and I don't know what it is <laughs> but there's something not right there, <laughs> you know.
1: Meanwhile, they don't know you're like struggling so hard to be to be Well
2: exactly to like <laughs>
1: just, Yeah. To be normal and then like it's just not working out. No. Again, okay. BBC like get in contact with Fern, make that a show. <laughs> I would watch that so much. <laughs> <laughs> i have so many ideas <laughs> like, so many ideas um can you talk to me about how we talked about touch a little bit and i want to go kind of more into the sense thing can you tell me <laughs> about how like sexual experiences and blindness work for you and how sexual experiences can stimulate your other senses as a blind person
2: yeah i think that a lot of sexual experiences um you know sometimes you know so for kissing and things generally people close their eyes anyway because it's a very sensual thing you can obviously feel and it allows your body to sort of come alive rather than what you can see yeah um and for me i think a lot of a lot of sexual stuff i'm not using my eyes even if my eyes are open I'm not thinking about what I can see I'm thinking about what I can feel which I, I again I imagine that's what it's like for other people obviously I don't have full sight so I've never experienced that but for me it is more you know using my hands um, you, you know just feeling with my body uh, all of the sensations and I think sex is really really important to me and and touch in general but also but sexual experiences specifically are really important to make me feel attractive and desirable and wanted and i know whenever i do have sex with somebody it it makes me feel really good because i i know that it's it doesn't matter that i can't see because at the end of the day sex can feel as good you know your eyes don't really matter that much in sex you can have as good a sex as as anyone else yeah um, whether you can see or not and like you say sometimes it can make it more sensual because you're more used to using touch you're more used to using your hands to feel things and you know so you're more in touch with that sense so sometimes you can please people in ways that other people might not know about
1: (laughs) i like how i like how like subtly dirty that was yes (laughs) very true But like, so sometimes when I talk to sex, talk about sex with my friends or like my sighted friends that I'm talking to, like we, and it's common practice to be like, wow, he was so hot. He looked like this. So Mm -hmm. for you, is it like he, his body felt like this, his, his, this felt like this?
2: Yeah, I guess I guess it is about that. And I know for blind people, especially myself, uh, voice has a lot to do with it. So a voice yeah. can be very, very sexy. Uh, listening to somebody talk can be a huge turn on. And yeah, I mean, to a certain degree, uh, f- for me, especially because I do have some useful vision, I can say, oh, he looks really hot. But You know, yeah, you can say, you know, his body felt really good. Obviously, if somebody is really toned or whatever, you can feel their muscles or, you know, so it is is more about how they feel and how they sound um, and obviously smell, you know, if they're wearing a really nice aftershave or something like that, that
1: can be hugely sexy. Yeah, totally. And, like, I was with somebody as recently as last night and they they had a really nice body smell. And I was like, oh, and now that I think about it, I didn't use my sight very much yesterday, actually. Mm. To, mm. And you're right. So you, do, I mean, even sighted people don't really use. When you're with somebody, I mean, you are you, you. do use your sight a little bit, but really, it's about how does this feel and like what, like, what does this feel like and what does this smell yeah. like. And so there is, I think now that I'm thinking about it, it's much. The other senses are much more universal then Mm,
2: I think I think yeah it's what you're focusing on in that moment isn't it and I think there are a lot of things in life where people think oh how do I do that without sight but actually a lot of things we do do without sight without really you know without even noticing it or being being aware of it
1: yeah now as a motivational speaker like you talked earlier about kind of like feeling undesirable and how nobody would ever want you and then it's that kind of goes against kind of what you do because you're so outgoing and you're so like bubbly, and I, I, like, you're so, like, I looked at your website, and it's so, it's so, like, here's, I'm awesome, and yeah, so, like, do you, when you do that stuff, when you, like, talk to somebody, can you, what are some of the things you get when you go up there and give a speech? Like, what are, what are the ways people react to you being a speaker?
2: Um, yeah, I think that people are very, Well, so usually I start my speech by saying something about being, uh, so I I expect a lot of you have come here today expecting me to inspire you, because obviously that's a big thing, isn't it? In as you all know, in the disabled community, people think you're going to tell your little sob story and you're going to be really inspirational because <laughs> look at all the things that I've had to go through and I'm still alive, <laughs> I'm still going, I'm still, you know, soldiering on um, and one of the things that I say to people is that, you know, everyone has, a, has an inspirational story to tell so it might not be a disability but everybody has something that they've had to overcome, like a major challenge in their life that they've had to be strong and overcome um, and and I talk a lot about how we should focus on our similarities rather than our differences so I say to people people might not understand what it what it's like to be blind but they know what it's like to feel insecure so I I feel like a lot of people who aren't disabled could identify with a lot of the things that we've talked about in this podcast not because they've got a disability but because they know what it's like to have something that they're like oh god how do I tell that person that because they might not like me they might reject me for that or how do I deal with that because I you know like the, the all these things that we feel and so I will talk about that and sometimes I'll get it through to other people and other people are so ingrained in their mindset that they will literally come up to me afterwards and still say you're
1: so inspirational (laughs) like I can't
2: imagine what it's like to be you and I'm like (laughs) Oh, my God, that's literally what I just said. Yeah, I just spent an
1: hour telling you not to do that, and here we are.
2: <laughs> yeah, so uh, you get different reactions, but, you know, people are usually very positive, and I think the best reactions I've had have been from people saying um, things like, that has made me more confident to talk about the things that I never felt like I could talk about. So I talk about when I pretended that I you know i could see and people will tell me secrets that they have literally told me before they haven't said to anyone in their life that you know like they say my husband doesn't know this my best friend doesn't know this and they're telling me it and it's like wow like it's amazing to be able to have a platform where i've just given you permission to be able to say things that you never found a way to tell someone before you know that's so rewarding
1: the same thing happens to me when i give talks like people will come up to me and tell they'll tell you like the deepest, darkest thing they never told anybody. Yeah, and you kind of sit there and go, "Wow, did I like? Did I just do that? Wow." Yeah, I know. Like it's I know. such a weird moment of like you do your job, and sometimes when you're up there talking, like I I do it so much that it's you know it's I'm very proud of it, but I never think that it's giving that much of an impact. And then I'll get one or two people coming up to me and sharing a story or saying thank you for your talk or being touched by what I said, and. I'll be in awe. Is there moments where you, like, like sit back and go, wow, did that just happen?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think those moments have been my most rewarding so far. And I just... I think that's the thing that drives me on to do it more because I think if you can provide that kind of amazing moment for somebody where they can be that vulnerable with you in a way that they never have been with anyone and get it out, you know, because they never, ever expressed this before. And it's just always been knocking around inside their head. That's like, one of the best things you could ever give someone, you know, for me, I think if I had never talked to anyone about all of the stuff that I have now, and I used to be in that position where I felt like, Oh, I can never tell people this because they won't understand or whatever, or I just felt so alone and isolated. For somebody to give you that platform or that opportunity to let that all out and be like oh my god I feel exactly the same way like we were talking about with disabled friends and whatnot yeah it just means everything like it, it can just change your whole perspective and your whole life and the whole way you feel about yourself it's it, just the best thing It's
1: such a powerful like I love talking to other educators who do what I do because like to it's just so nice to have a conversation where where you know what you've done for somebody will change their day and also mm-hmm. it gives you the confidence as a disabled person because so many people, when we say we give talks, they go, "Well i like, oh, is it a hobby or a job and it's like, no, it's a job, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it's a job yeah. it's it's my work, it's what I do and so like to hear from you that like it's something that you also do, it makes me confident in what I do because it's like, look, other people around the world are doing this, it's a real <laughs> thing, it isn't a thing you just made up, it's a real profession that people really do,
2: yeah, definitely, and I think it is. Something really special to be able to touch people in that way. And I don't think that everyone can do that. You know, I think, you know, it takes a certain person and it takes a certain journey in life to get to the point where you can do that. So, I, I think some people will view it and be like, oh, well, anyone can do that. But I, I don't think that's true. I think it does take, a, you know, a certain sort of set of circumstances to get to that point where you can do that and you can do it effectively to a way where other people are just like, wow, I can share anything with you now.
1: Yeah, and you can do it in a way where you build, you you have credibility, where you can say, well, I've spoken here, I've done this. like mm-hmm. Because I think able-bodied people, when you say you do it, like I said, they really want to push the idea that oh it's a nice little thing you do but it's not really, mm-hmm. it's not real yeah and it's like yeah. but it is
2: it's amazing the amount of people who have um just thought i'd do it for nothing you <laughs> know like you'll uh you, you know you'll write to people and they'll be like oh yeah of course you can come along and it's like okay well this is my fee and they're like huh <laughs> like, yeah, like, oh, i you... thought it's just a nice little day out for you, <laughs> you <know? laughs> but
1: no i expected to get paid because i have bills to pay so thank yeah. you
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um,
1: this was such a fun conversation, and I, I just enjoyed talking to you. It was so, so fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> how do people, how can people get a hold of you?
2: So, um, they can visit my website, which is just fernlullum.com, just my name. And then I have Twitter, which is at Miss Fern I'm on Instagram, Fernlullum, again. It's all pretty much just my name. And then um, if you want to search my YouTube channel, you can go on YouTube and just search Fernlullum. Guess what? And you know, I'll come up. <laughs> um, so, there you go. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. I will put all of that in the show notes. Uh, this was great. I really enjoyed this. And, and thank you. For taking the time I know it's like the middle of the afternoon there so thanks for uh thanks for taking the time out of your day today to talk to me about your awesomeness yeah no problem thank you so much for having me on the show Andrew it was a pleasure to talk to you it was such a pleasure and I'd love to have you back on sometime for oh that would be wonderful we'll figure out another yeah we'll figure out another (laughs) fun topic for you to come on to because it was just I love how I just enjoyed how like just how open you were about stuff and I, I love talking guests about that so I really appreciate that from you
2: Absolutely. Anything you want, I'm here.
1: Oh, fantastic. All right, we'll, we'll figure <laughs> it out. And also, BBC, like, seriously, get on Fern <laughs> Needs a Show. I would totally watch that. It, come on, figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> All right, Fern. Fern Lalam, thank you so much for being here, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye.
0: Bye.
1: All right, friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark the podcast Shining a Bright Light on Sex and Disability. My name is, of course, Andrew Gerza, and thank you so much for listening and helping the show go. I really appreciate that you all listen and that you come back every week, and I love doing it, and I love shining a bright light on these topics, so thank you. If you want to follow my work, you can head over to www.andrewgerza.com where you'll find my writings, some cool videos I've been in, and you'll see where I've been talking where I've been doing talks, and if you want to hire me to talk, you can do so there as well. If you want to follow me on the social media, you can put in all my handles on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook at the Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow the podcast specifically, you can follow us on Twitter at Pod, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. This show is a completely independent production. I literally record the show here in my bedroom in Toronto, and that's awesome. So if you want to support this fully independent program, you can head over to patreon.com disabilityafterdark, and you can pledge $1 a month to get the show early and get really cool perks like that. And I, I will give you a shout-out on the air, and thank you for your support. It would be super awesome if you could also leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast so that this show, all about sexuality and disability, something we don't talk about enough, can get more traction and more people can hear about the show. Lastly, if you want to be a part of Disability After Dark, you can submit your suggestions, story ideas, or your minisodes to our email inbox, disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, we'll be back next time, right here on the program Shining a Bright Light on Sex and Disability, Disability After Dark. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Cripple Content Creations, with music by Chris Sugiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2019.